for it and for grace, every one of us will be lost, wandering who knows where. And so thank God for grace. Boy, that's for sure. Revelation chapter number 18. And when we look at Revelation and we look at the final judgments that are coming, be assured of through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And uh, God gives us a glimpse into what is going to take place and, and the future uh, judgments that will take place on this earth. And uh, tonight we're going to look at the Babylon's fall. And you say, wait a minute, we, we looked at that last week. Pastor Shirley is confused. Uh, no, Revelation chapter 17 covers Babylon's fall more from a religious aspect uh, as we talked about last week. And this week, it talks about Babylon's fall more from a, a political or a commercial uh, entity that would fall. And, uh, and so we're going to look at Revelation chapter number 18 this evening. Both of these chapters talk about the fall of Babylon and from two different perspectives. Uh, but, but in the end, it falls nonetheless. Uh, Revelation chapter number 18 and verse number 1, we'll start there. And the Bible says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies." And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she hath filled with with." which she hath filled, filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to spend time looking into your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray as we um, seek to understand the book of Revelation, I pray, Father, that you'd give us understanding minds and understanding hearts. And God, as we have a, a glimpse into what will take place in the future, God, I pray that you'd help us to be appreciative of the grace and the great salvation that we rejoice in. And Father, that we would uh, be, be grateful for that and, and, Father, so grateful that we would share it with other people. 
And Father, I pray that you would just bless. I pray that you'd speak to hearts. And, uh, and Father, use me, speak through me. Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Notice the uh, fall of Babylon is referenced back in Revelation chapter number 14. Let's go back there. Hold your spot here in Revelation 18. But go back to Revelation 14 and verse number 6. And, and we'll just read here a couple of verses uh, just to help us get a little bit of perspective about what is going on. Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 6. The Bible says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgments is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she hath made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, Revelation 14, and, and specifically verse number 8, I read the 6 down through 8 to kind of give us a little bit of context of what's going on there as the angels are coming through and making announcements, is more of the timeline, and chapter 17 and 18 are more of a parenthetical statement. Uh, I gave an illustration several weeks ago, and I'll, I'll use that same illustration uh, to help understand what a parenthetical is. If I were to tell you that, uh, that, uh, that Johnny uh, drove a car for 10 miles, you'd be like, big deal. But if I were to give you the parentheses that follows that, or maybe we'll, we'll give you the same sentence, but with a parentheses in it, a parenthetical statement, Johnny, open parentheses, who is only 10 years old, close parentheses, drove a car for 10 miles, then you're like, whoa, wait a minute. A 10-year-old should not be driving a car. And it helps us understand. So the parenthetical statements help give detail uh, to, to what takes place. So in uh, Revelation chapter 14, and specifically verse number 8, we have the event, Babylon is fallen. I love the way it says it, is fallen. Uh, somebody pointed out the reference that perhaps that's because of the two aspects of Babylon falling. Revelation 17, Babylon is fallen. Uh, the the, the uh, spiritual realm of Babylon, the religious side of Babylon. And, and then uh, chapter 18, the political or commercial center of Babylon also falling. And it very clearly uh, describes them as two separate entities. And we certainly see that. And so uh, we'll notice that tonight. Notice in 18, the wording certainly lends itself more to a physical place and location that would represent a center of political or commercial activity. That's what we'll see tonight, uh, that it is more of a central location. And um, I'll give you this... Uh, as I read Revelation chapter 18, uh, I could not help but to think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, I just couldn't. It, it just so there's a lot of parallels there. And uh, let me just give you several of those things because Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked city and severely judged by God for its wickedness. Uh, the first similarity that I found between Sodom and Gomorrah and Babylon is Sodom and Gomorrah 
obviously was a wicked place uh, full of perverse demonic activity. Uh, you can note down Genesis 19, uh, verse 7 and 13 really describes the wickedness that was taking place in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Babylon is described as that in verse number 2. You remember reading it. We just read it uh, in Revelation 18. Uh, the last part of it, it says, uh, is become the habitation of devils. Well, you talk about a wicked place. Uh, I'm reminded way back in the beginning of the book of Revelation that one of the churches was located in the seat of Satan, the Bible said. Boy, you talk about a perverse place to minister and to work and to labor. Uh, that would not be enjoyable. Uh, I, I've, said, I, I've said kind of semi-jokingly, but kind of semi-seriously too, for many years that I would not want to be a, a missionary to Hawaii. And, and you say, man, I'd love to go to Hawaii. Yeah, the weather may be great, but could you imagine ministering to people that are all about vacation? And, and you talk about a, a, a hard place to reach people. Uh, that would not be enjoyable to me. I, I wouldn't want to minister there. I'll tell you this, uh, the two things about uh, that I've I've noted before about Peru and Italy. Uh, Peru was a hard place to live physically. We got sick a lot. There was a lot of sickness. There was a lot of uncleanness. But I tell you what, it was an easy place to minister because people knew they were lost. Uh, people knew they needed something. Um, you, you contrast that with Italy. Italy was a great place to live. Boy, it was a hard place to minister. Because nobody was interested in anything. They were all content. They all had their religion. They all had their, uh, their, their, uh, their life. And they had, as the Bible would say, need of nothing. And so it was a difficult place to minister. But you talk about wicked. You talk about the seed of Satan. Babylon uh, is described as that. And Sodom and Gomorrah was very much so defined by the wickedness that they had. Uh, not only that, but notice this. That in Sodom and Gomorrah, the saved were called out of Sodom and Gomorrah before the judgment took place. Now, I, I'll be frank with you. Um, Lot was a saved man. And the only reason we know that is because the New Testament tells us that. You read the Old Testament, you would never know that Lot was a saved man. Never. His, his testimony, his his kids, his in-laws, uh, sons-in-laws or, or daughters-in-laws or whoever they were laughed at him when he tried to warn them. That's how, how engrossed in wickedness and sinfulness uh that he was. They didn't even believe him. Uh, but nonetheless, they were called out. We find that here in, in, in uh, Babylon as well. Not only this, but probably the most apparent, apparent similarity between Sodom and Gomorrah is the very swift destruction of fire and brimstone that fell from heaven as God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. I find that very fascinating. And as we will find out, we'll read here in the, uh, the book of Revelation chapter 18 that Babylon also is destroyed by fire and brimstone that fall from heaven. And so there's similarities there. When you read that, uh, I'm sorry, but there's just not too many places on planet Earth that have been destroyed or will be destroyed by fire and brimstone. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, notably one, and then Babylon, notably another. So those are just some similarities. And then the fourth thing that I noticed, and it becomes very apparent in our text as well, is that Sodom and Gomorrah was eradicated from the earth. And Babylon will be eradicated 
from the earth. And so uh, we see those similarities. Now, I'm not advocating that Babylon is Sodom and Gomorrah, not by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not trying to say that they are the same place, but perhaps Sodom and Gomorrah is a foreshadowing or a typology of Babylon's fall. It certainly fits the pattern, that's for sure. Uh, but perhaps, more importantly, it is simply a pattern of extreme wickedness swiftly being judged by God. Amen. That's probably a greater truth of the two. And, uh, and so I just couldn't help but make those two parallels. As we read through the book of Revelation or chapter number 18, you will see those. Uh, and I don't even have to mark them out for you. They become rather apparent. But we notice here in the first eight verses that we read the report of judgment. And I find this fascinating. In verse number one, the Bible says this, And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. Now, uh, notice this, that Revelation chapter 17 is talking about the fall of Babylon. And, and in the opening there, John has a vision. It says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. So one of the angels that has the vials in John Revelation 17 uh, tells John, Hey, I'm going to show you uh, the judgment that's going to take place on Babylon. But then we have a second vision. It's not the same vision as in chapter 17 because it becomes very clear. It says, And after these things, after he saw that vision, of Revelation chapter 17. He has another one, another angel come down from heaven having great power. And so this is a distinct and different vision. And we need to just note that separation uh, that they are two separate uh, events, two separate visions that take place. And that becomes very important to understand. Uh, and so we see these the report of this judgment. It comes from uh, the messengers, namely, Number one, an angel that comes down. But I want you to notice as well the second messenger that's mentioned in verse number four. And the Bible says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. And, uh, and this voice specifically speaks to the saved people. And again, there are some people that are saved during the tribulation period. The gospel is preached. God has his witness, his remnant, uh, that is constantly uh, there during that time and giving the gospel. Uh, but again, to be just very clear, uh, that will not be us. The church will be raptured out of there. Uh, we will not be there during that time. And, uh, and God will establish new witnesses during that time. Uh, but, but understand, we're gone. Uh, and so we see the voice of God uh, talking to specifically to the saved people uh, during this time. And, uh, and I find it's very interesting uh, there just to note that, that there was an angel and then there was the voice of God. But look at the message that they give as they report the judgment. Notice there in verse number two, the Bible says this, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the, the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now notice 
We, we notice the fall of the Babylon, the religious side of things, in chapter number 17. Now, if it is indeed in the same place, which it may or may not be, uh, you could see how uh, religion, as, as the, uh, the beast and the false prophet, toss all of that aside, that, that wickedness would just completely abound. There's no doubt about it. Uh, because, uh, listen, some kind of religion at least brings people to the acceptance of, hey, right and wrong. But when all religion is just completely rejected and there is no moral uh, absolute or even uh, idea, ideology of right and wrong, then there's no morality either. And, uh, and it becomes one of the most wicked, vile places on the face of the earth. And the sinfulness is just unbelievable. Uh, and notice this here in verse number, uh, verse number two. It says, it's become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And, uh, and he's talking about, hey, just wickedness, just hatred, just cruelty, uh, just those that would uh, despise other people. And so we see the sinfulness of Babel, uh, Babylon uh, here in, in, this, in verse number two. I want you to notice it's the sway of Babylon in verse number three. The Bible says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornications, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And so we're not talking about very clearly a religious institution, but rather uh, a commercial product that would be sold or commercialism that would make merchants rich. Now, merchants can get rich off of religion. There's no doubt about that. You'll remember the great goddess of Diana and how uh, Paul went to Ephesus and he was run out of town because uh, one of the people that was a primary person got saved and, and boy, it just killed their religious, uh, their religious merchandise. And, uh, and cause them great problems. But I believe this is, we're, we're going to look at it a little bit later, uh, the merchandise that they were talking about. It's not necessarily a religious merchandise, but rather uh, practical wares that they were selling and uh, more of a commercial entity that we notice there. And their sway is worldwide. In other words, hey, the products that they have, the things that they sell, they are going out through every nation and every kingdom and every place and they have a great influence. And so not only that, but I want you to notice in verse 4, we see in verse number 2, the sinfulness of Babylon. In verse 3, we see the sway of Babylon. In verse number 4, I want you to notice the separation from Babylon. He says in verse 4, And I heard the voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. And so there's a voice from heaven. God is calling uh, to, to the saved people that are there. And it, again, it reminds me of a physical location, much like that of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is calling his people, hey, get out. Leave the place. Why? Because pending judgment's coming. 
And he's giving them a warning. He's saying, hey, now's the time to flee. If there ever was a time to pull out, now is the time to pull out. And he's warning them from a very clear voice from heaven that God is speaking. And so God is warning his people to get out of this wicked city. Um, Look at the self-exaltation in verse number 7. The Bible says, how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. In other words, hey, she uh, lifts herself up, uh, promotes herself, and, and all of that that goes with it. There's self-exaltation. And then notice in verse number 8, the, we're talking about the report of the judgment that's coming, and the message that they were, they were given is swift destruction in verse number 8. Notice what he says. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And so we see the swift destruction that is pending in Babylon. It's going to arrive and it's going to fall very quickly on the, on, on the city of Babylon. And so we see the report of this judgment. But I want you to notice this, not only the report, but I want you to notice the reaction to this judgment. Look with me in verse number 9 and verse number 10. We see the mourning that takes place. In verse 9, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning standing, watch this, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And these kings benefited from the city of Babylon. Uh, these kings benefited maybe from the things that they were, maybe they were the busy uh, running merchants and, and, uh, and, and prop, uh, profiting off of uh, the wickedness that took place in the city of Babylon. Maybe they knew there was corruption that would go on there and therefore that they could uh, move things and they could do things that were uh, illegal, but because of the corruption, they could get away with it. Um, and so uh, they were mourning the great loss. Uh, and many people uh, would live there, but they were fearful. Notice that these kings as well were fearful of the city of Babylon because look at verse number 10. It says, standing afar off for the fear of her torment. In other words, we're not going to live in Babylon because that's a wicked place. But man, we'll go in and do business and take all the money that we can get. We'll line our pockets all day long, but we're not going to be in there. Uh, we're, we're far enough away where we can, we can still reach in and get the, the riches that we want, but we're far enough away because, man, that is a wicked, dangerous place to live. And, uh, and this, is, this is what is going to take place. But yet when it's destroyed, when the, uh, when the judgment comes, they will mourn the loss of the city. But I want you to notice this. They're not really mourning the loss of the city. They're mourning the loss of their own finances. They don't care about that. If they cared about that city, they'd be in that city. But they're not in that city. They're standing afar off for fear of the torments that take place there. 
They, they don't want the problems that, that that place has. So they stand outside and they reach in and grab all the finances they can and bring it back out to themselves. And when it's destroyed, they're not sorry for the loss of Babylon. They're not sorry for the destruction of it or the wickedness that takes place there. They're sorry because they lost the financial gain. And so we find that that is the case there in verse number 10. Not just the kings who benefited will mourn, but notice in verse number 11 down through 13, also the merchants will mourn. Notice what they're mourning in verse number 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and of fine linens and purple and silk and scarlet and all fine wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointment and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. Notice those last two things. And we notice the wickedness that's taking place in Babylon. All this other stuff is just normal stuff. Gold, all the precious metal, all the, all the clothing and all the fine things that they have, the finest that they could offer. But notice those last two things denotes the wickedness that is taking place there because the last two lists of things that they were merchandising, one is slaves and the second would be the souls of men. Listen, human trafficking is not new. Human trafficking is not going to end. It will only get worse during the time of tribulation when all morals are taken out, when the Holy Spirit uh, is no longer ministering on this earth and those that are saved are pulled out. Uh, listen, the Bible is very clear. Those that have the money are going to take control. And those who are poor, they're just going to be run, run over ramshot. They're not going to have a choice in these things. They're not going to have a, anything to say about these things. Uh, they're going to end up uh, those that are slaves. They're going to end up those that are just being traded like common merchandise. Here we have a list of merchandise that's given. And at the very end of that list of merchandise is the souls of men. How wicked that people would trade other people or sell other people. It's a wicked, vile place. Notice again in verse 14. No, it's in verse number 15. We'll cover that in a minute. Let's go to verse number 16. We find the, the, uh, the, the masking. And verse number 16, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches is come to naught. In other words, wow, this was a beautiful city. Man, the lights lit up, it sparkled, it was a place of, of riches, it was a place, but it was also a place of utter wickedness that was taking place. 
and just debauchery that was taking place and even the selling of people and the selling of trade of slaves and the selling of souls of men and, and people were, were, were taking advantage and taking a lot of money uh, from this place. They were benefiting, uh, physically speaking, uh, by riches. But notice this again, and as we look at the masking, uh, their description doesn't match the reality because they're saying, wow, it's a beautiful place. Uh, man, it sparkles and everything is wonderful. But look at verse number 15, and we find the truth. The merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. They too are looking at this city and saying, it is a wicked place. And, and, and they too are mourning. They too are weeping. They too are wailing. But again, it's the loss of their financial uh, gain that they are mourning. And not because of the wickedness that takes place. Not because of the judgment of God that falls on them. Uh, but but they are, they're really uh, concerned about their own financial gain. And so we see the reaction. The kings will be mourning. Uh, the merchants that are, are busy uh, gaining from that place, they're, they're mourning. But I want you to notice that not everyone is mourning because look with me in verse number 20. We find merriness in heaven. The Bible says this, Rejoice over her, thou heavens, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And so in the reaction we note, Hey, the kings are mourning, the merchants that are losing their business are mourning, but heaven is rejoicing. Uh, God tells the apostles, hey, rejoice. God tells the, the prophets, hey, rejoice. Those who are stand up and proclaim the word of God and those who would stand for God, uh, those are the ones that are rejoicing. Why is that? Well, we find a little bit later that, uh, that well, look with me in verse number 24, and this is talking about Babylon, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. And so we find that Babylon was a place that killed the prophets, killed uh, those who would stand for God. And so there's rejoicing in heaven because the judgment has finally fallen for that city of Babylon. And, uh, and God will judge it. We see the reaction. We see those that are mourning the loss, but we see those in heaven that are rejoicing over the judgment of God that has come to the city of Babylon. Now I want you to notice the results of the judgment. These are kind of sprinkled throughout the chapter. But go with me to verse number 7 as we look at this. Uh, no, go with me to verse number 8. Uh, verse number 8. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Listen, it's going to be a sudden destruction. Look in verse number 10. Standing afar off the fear of her torments, uh, saying, uh, Alas, alas, that great city of uh, city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And it seems like very sudden and swift destruction, much like that of Sodom and Gomorrah. Could you imagine uh, the, the fire and the brimstone just falling from heaven and just wiping out a city? I just couldn't, I can't even fathom that. I, I'm sure it would happen. 
Uh, I have no doubt that God could do it. It's not that, uh, but I just have a hard time envisioning it. But that is what's going to take place. It's going to be a very sudden, and it's going to be a very severe destruction. Look with me in verse number 21 of this chapter. Verse number 21, And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus, with violence, shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Verse 22, And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of the, uh, the millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of a bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee for thy merchants were the great men of the earth and by thy sorceries were the nations deceived and I want you to notice in verses 21 down through 23 there's a there's a predominating message that I hope you picked out and the words are and no more at all in thee that God's trying to get across a point he's going to utterly destroy Babylon there's not going to be a sound of a voice. There's not going to be the sound of a millstone grinding, in other words, production. There's not going to be the sound of, of a wedding, of a bride, and of a groom any longer in the nation or in the city of Babylon because it's going to be destroyed. There's not going to be the sound of music. No more at all in thee, he says. He says it over and over and over, and he's trying to make a point that he is going to annihilate, wipe out Babylon. It's no longer going to be. And we see uh, that justice is served. I and mean, I already touched on this because in verse 24, And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. And so we find that Babylon is a center of place where, where death has been taken place uh, for those that are saints, for those that are saved. And it's a place where, man, they are killing Christians. They want to destroy and wipe out righteousness. And so God's judgment will fall upon Babylon. And it'll be a swift, severe uh, destruction that will take place. And, uh, and so we see all of this take place in the city of Babylon. And again, the, the wording of all of this very much so points to a commercial uh, city, uh, a city with political sway or commercial sway and influence that is worldwide. And you say, well, where's this at? And I'll tell you, I don't know. Uh, God didn't tell us. Uh, we can, you can make a lot of speculation, and, but the reality is if the beast and the false prophet uh, choose Timbuktu, wherever that sets, and decide to make that their capital city, that could be a commercial proper or commercial uh, head of the entire world during their one world government. And so I don't know where it's going to be. Uh, but I do believe it very much so in, in the wording of this that it is a physical location. It is a place that God will absolutely destroy. It seems to be a place where they will bring Christians, those who are saved during the tribulation, and make a, an example of them killing them in the city of Babel, Babylon. 
and, and so uh, it becomes very apparent throughout this chapter uh, that that is what is going to take place and that God is going to destroy it. I know in this chapter somewhere, and I didn't point it out to you, uh, that, that fire and brimstone was mentioned, and, uh, and I know it's in there. But you'll have to find it because I can't find it right now. Uh, but I know it's in there. Uh, and so that's, again, that similarity between Sodom and Gomorrah and, and Babylon being destroyed and just wiped off the face of the earth. The bottom line that I want us to understand is two things. One, I want us to understand that God does judge sin. And that nothing is going to go unpunished. God is not ignorant of what is taking place. God, uh, the Bible says in verse number um, verse number. Uh, three or four there. Uh, I heard the voice, uh, verse number four, I heard the, another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Verse five, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. So it might seem like that a lot of wickedness takes place and is gone unpunished for some time, and listen, there will be years of prosperity in the tribulation, not for a Christian, not for those uh, that, that are saved during the tribulation, but for uh, those who are, are following the beast, they will prosper. Uh, they will have great uh, centers of, of riches and great authority and power here on this earth. But it's not going to go unchecked. It's not going to go on forever. God will judge all of it. And so we need to understand that. And then the other thing that I, I liked in this chapter is this, uh, verse number eight, the last phrase, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. A lot of times the wicked, they think, they curse God's name, they'll say stuff, and they say, see, I didn't get struck by lightning. And they think, I am scot-free, so far from the truth. Because God knows, and God's writing it down. And God doesn't always judge instantaneously. By the way, you and I ought to be grateful for that, because that means there's grace, and that we can be saved. But there is coming a swift and severe judgment that will come from God. And it will not be an enjoyable thing uh, for those who, who go through that. And so understand that Babylon will be destroyed. Uh, and that gives us more of the details of the wickedness, of the destruction, of the pronouncement of the destruction, and all that's going to take place there in Babylon. So I hope and pray that that's a help to you. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for just the, the information that we have about end times. And God, it's sometimes to us very curious, sometimes draws our interest. And God, I pray that you'd help us to have understanding of it. And God, I pray that most of all, you would help us to be grateful for the mercy that you extend to us. God, that you have saved us. And God, that right now, salvation is open to every person. And God, I pray that you'd give us a desire to warn the lost, to witness to those that are not saved. Before, God, you come. God, I pray that you'd help us to be concerned with the lost
Help us to be grateful for our salvation and the great grace that you've extended to us. God, we're reminded, but by the grace of God, there go we, there go I. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to be grateful for our salvation. God, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to thank God for the grace. Thank God that He saved us.